Abba, that you bless the reading of the scriptures that I share with my brothers and sisters, Father God. Thank you for this day and the opportunity. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Paraklitos Aman. So I told you we were going to go into into the scriptures and um, share with you that Jesus Christ is manifest not only in the word and predictions of him as to his coming, his uh, crucifixion. I mean, we can find things throughout the Bible, but when we have um, when we have scriptures that speak specifically of Jesus and not just a time period and and thing we have uh, we have countless scriptures that we can find um, talking about Jesus and I'm going to share with you um, when you many times that when a person is asked if you're testifying about uh, Jesus and you know you're sharing the word and all this that uh, a lot of times you're going to find when you ask them if they know Jesus they're going to say oh I know about Jesus well that's all well and good um, knowing about Jesus but do you know Jesus uh, we should respond do you know Jesus would you like a personal relationship with him, which is exactly what we are called for, is a personal relationship with Jesus. And would you like one? But this also goes for label heads and self-proclaimed individuals that claim to know Jesus and, and are Christian. However, if you take a moment or time and you talk to them, they don't have a personal relationship. They don't read the Bible. They don't study the Bible. They don't take um, time to pray, and they don't, they don't seek his face. And that is sad because they are a professed liar, and they are out there. And the, it's true, they're there. Uh, if you're offended by that and your knickers are all twisted up and knotted and you uh, squirm uncomfortably in the seat, then perhaps those shoes are fitting you aptly. And if they don't, then don't worry about it. Don't fret. Don't make it something it doesn't have to be. Truth is truth. And I've, I have found in the short life that my God has allowed me to have and blessed me with that it seems that mammon become more offended by truth than they do by lies. And nothing is more manifest and apparent than what is going on in, in our country and that the lies that are being perpetrated are almost like chocolate pudding to the masses. They're, they're swallowing hand over fist, the lies. But when truth comes, they become so offended by truth. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which started, incidentally, in the Old Testament. The gospel. And here's the thing, too, that we have to remember that the word gospel does not pertain to books of the Bible. There are so many that get confused. 
They think when you talk about the gospel that you're talking about Matthew through the book of Revelation, the New Testament, the gospel of Jesus. Well, let me share this with you. The word gospel comes from Latin, and it means good news. That's all the word means. It doesn't mean Matthew through Revelation. Talking about Jesus, Matthew through Revelation, that's it. That's not what the word gospel means. The word gospel is the word good news, period. That's the translation. And you can actually find the gospel of Jesus all the way through the Bible, all the way back to the Old Testament, and even into the first gospel of Jesus. And some people will get very confused with this. But it is in the book of Genesis and can be found in Genesis 3, 15, actually. And you're going to say, well, wait a minute, that makes no sense. Well, yeah, it does. And this is when Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God, and they were cast out of the garden. But keep this in mind, too, that when God cast them out of the garden, he didn't leave them. He stayed with them. I mean... Know that God used to walk in the cool of the evening and until Satan came and took the guise of a serpent and beguiled Eve, who then beguiled her husband, and then their eyes were open to their nakedness. But they used to walk with God and have no thought to that process at all in the cool of the evening. And he stayed with them. He didn't He didn't just kick them out and stay mad at them and, and leave them be. He was there. Even when Cain killed his brother Abel, God set a mark on him that he would not be uh, hunted and slain for what he had done. So you got to keep in mind that God is merciful. He is just, but he is merciful. He's gracious. You can't forget that it is by his grace that we are saved. It's not by anything that we have done. There's no no matter of lifetimes, no matter how many lifetimes that we cannot repay what Jesus did for us. And there are actually arrogant individuals that believe that, that uh, and they're not even doing their tithing in the spirit that we're supposed to give it. They're doing it to uh, propel their arrogance and look what I'm doing. Everybody pay attention to me and um, just myself when I do something that is a testimony or something, my tie, I, if I do something extra that God has blessed me with then I turn it back in to <clears throat> testimony for him, I I don't I don't want to be recognized for that, but there are individuals that want recognition, and that the pastor will stand up or a pastor, not mine. I haven't seen mine do that yet, and I'm glad he doesn't because um, what you're doing is you're you're playing into the arrogance of the individuals. They put out some healthy check. Oh, this was just gifted by uh, John Smith and and Mary Smith. Thank you so much for your. $100,000 donation, blah, blah, blah. And everybody turns around and looks at John and Mary Smith. Of course, if you happen to be coincidentally John and Mary Smith, don't get your knickers in a twist about it. That's a, uh, a defuncto... <laughs> trying to be ambiguous, but actually there may be a John and Mary Smith. Just coincidental. 
But then everybody in the congregation turns and they look at John and Mary Smith and look like, oh, wow. And some even start clapping. Are you kidding me? Well, let's go back to the book of Acts for a minute, okay? I know I'm, I'm tending to get off track a little bit, but then you go into the Acts and when, uh, what, uh, oh, goodness gracious, I his name is uh, Ananias and uh, Sapphira. When they there and they, uh, everybody is gifting to keep the the uh, gospel shared and to uh, propel the sharing, and they go and they take their property. And the reason this happened is not only were they stealing from the sharing of the gospel, but they were stealing from God, and they lied about it. They lied about it. They didn't give their portion, as they said. And they came in and said, "Oh yeah, we sold we everything we everything we gave everything that we that we got from that we gave." Well, they lied. And what happened? Because he asked Ananias, and he lied, and he was struck dead. Oh yeah, on the spot, God took his life immediately. He was stealing from the church. He lied about it and he stole from God. And then when his wife came in, she didn't know that her husband was struck down. And Peter asked her, he said, so in the selling of this property, as you promised that you would do, you gave all. Oh yes, yes we did. And she was struck dead because she lied as well. And that's kind of a harsh example, but don't steal from God and don't give for the reason to be recognized, okay? That's arrogance. This is, what, uh, this is the practice of Phariseeism, okay? Don't wanna do that. Jesus spoke to that. When they go out in the marketplace and they're bobbing and weaving and all this stuff, they go out there and they find the most traffic and they stand in the middle and then they holler out loud and they recite their prayers and all this thing and and they're doing it for what they get they get it for their personal gain say and that's not what this is about but then we're going to go back over here we're going back to genesis 3:15 and in genesis 3:15 we find a specific Scripture, because this is, uh, remember I told you that Adam and Eve had been cast out and before God did this, that he took Satan aside and gave him a lecturing. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shall bruise his heel. And you're saying, well, wait a second. How is that a prediction? And how is this pertain to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Read the verse carefully. Read it over. Have the Holy Spirit guide you through it. Remember what I said? Try the Spirit. Holy Spirit will teach you that. So in the reading of this, notice the specificity. Specificity? Pardon me, I might have got that wrong. But it's not an ambiguous verse. Many people think that there's a, a ambiguity in the verses of the Bible not leading to specifics. That's not exactly correct. There is no ambiguity here. 
It is not left out in the, in the breeze. It is specific. He's talking about the seed of the woman, and that seed shall bruise thy head. And what is he talking about the seed? He's talking about the minions, those that follow the directions of Satan, his seed. And he's talking about the seed of the woman, Jesus. And Satan, when he, when Jesus went to be crucified, he thought that he had won. Remember this too, brothers and sisters, so many people have this misconception. Satan is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. He is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. And he is not omnipresent. This is why he has minions that work for him. And I say minions because they're countless in these days and ages. Back in the day, there were numbers that worked for him and did his bidding. But in this time and age, and as long as gone by, there are minions. And this is why hell has been expanded to make room for all those that choose to follow Satan. Jesus Christ is the seed of woman. When he came to this earth and he was born of man and woman, through the Holy Spirit, the seed was not man's. The seed came from God and it grew in woman. He was born in a stable and he laid in a manger for his rest. Okay, I'm gonna be a little corrective here because we wanna make sure that we are correct. So many people think that Jesus was born in a manger. Well, no, that was his crib. He was laying in a manger. He was born in a stable. Joseph had to clean the stable. He had to muck the stable so that his wife and child could come because they had no room in the inn. And the only thing that Jesus had to lay in to lay and rest for was a crib made of the manger. A manger is a, is a uh, upside-down triangle feeding trough so that the hay wasn't in the dirt and uh, it could be eaten clean. And Joseph cleaned it out and put in fresh straw so that Jesus would have a crib to lay in. And the swaddling cloth that Jesus was laying in, here's, here's something that I learned and I didn't realize, should have, but I didn't, is that um, shepherds were not really, uh, they, were, they were kind of, uh, they were very humble. <laughs> they didn't have, uh, and this, this is testimony to Jesus in, in his coming and walking as a humble man and, and person as well and that uh, and he relates to the lowliness of man and that he calls himself the good shepherd remember those that shepherds but they had um, the best of the flock was set aside and the, and the high priest and all that through their rules and culture they would come and they would bless those sheep and there was a, a special cloth that was set aside for the shepherds so when it came time to birth their lambs that would be set aside if it was a male lamb and it would be set aside and the, the swaddling cloth was used to help birth the animals. And this was um, 
this was this was to help the birthing and they were set aside and the the cloth was set aside and blessed interesting that our the sacrificial lamb jesus who is pointed out by john the baptizer behold the lamb of god and he was wrapped in the swaddling cloth and laid in a manger in a stable born humbly and Satan thought that he had won when he bruised his heel at the crucifixion. But see, Satan is not omniscient and he's not omnipresent and he didn't know everything. Did not see and did not know. And when he went to hell and wrested the keys from him, So when we see, we go back from the Old Testament to the New Testament and we learn more about Jesus in the New Testament is that he was more than just a man. He was more than a teacher. He was more than a prophet and much more than just a martyr. And it was more than just a mere movement. Okay, for some of the disciples... And it was said that when Jesus went up to the Mount of Olives and he was sharing with some of this and was sharing that he was going to have to go, um, there were some that, that left. They just walked away. The Bible shares that information. But he was more than a movement. Here we have thousands of years later. When you go to the Old Testament, following the rule of faith, you go back to the New Testament, back to the Old Testament, that there are over 300 predictions of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament and prophecies of his coming. We also find there are points, and I've shared this with you already, he appeared to... Uh, Joshua, and he appeared to Nebuchadnezzar when he was standing in the furnace with Hananiah, Mishael, and Zariah. He stood in the furnace with him. Remember, I shared with you that Nebuchadnezzar, the furnace was made so it had an open side and he could sit back a distance from the heat in his throne and he could watch them wander and, until they started to coming from the heat and smoke and, and they were burning. What a... Ugh taking great pleasure in watching that happen. But then he leaned forward and he exclaimed to his counselors the rhetorical question, did we not throw three men into this furnace? He already knew the answer, so he wasn't looking for an answer. That's called rhetorical questioning. And then he declared, then why is there a fourth like unto the Son of God? Specific scripture, specifically speaking to Jesus's manifestation. It does not say, then why is there a fourth guy walking around in the furnace? There's no, the scripture doesn't say that. First, the rhetorical question to his counselors, because he already knew the answer. And then the declaration, then why is there a fourth? And he is like unto the son of 
God. How did he know that that was the Son of God? It hasn't been declared yet. Jesus hadn't been born yet. But yet, Nebuchadnezzar, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ by the authority that he possessed alone, being the only begotten Son of God, which hadn't come to earth yet, that authority preceded him. And Nebuchadnezzar was made to know who he was by his authority. Just as the demons, when Jesus went to the tombs and the wild man was out there. Jesus, why hast thou come? You come to persecute me, to come to kill us. They knew who he was. They knew who he was already. Nobody introduced him, said, hey, crazy man in the tombs, this is Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God. He's going to come here and cast you out. Nobody did that. Nobody introduced. Jesus just alit to the shore. And as soon as he stood, the, the crazy guy came running, threw himself down at his feet, and the demon started speaking to Jesus. We know who you are. Jesus, thou son of God, did you come to destroy us? No. And Jesus commanded him. We are legion for we are many. That wasn't the only time. Whenever Jesus encountered demoniacs, those possessed of evil spirits, they recognized Jesus. They knew who he was and he just cast them out. But they recognized Jesus. They knew who he was. So in the Old Testament, there are over 300 predictions of him. And that he appeared in manifestation that I shared with you. Um, just as a matter of biblical trivia and, and those of theological higher learning, so they claim, and they have their little degree from the universities that say so, these individuals have called these manifestations of Jesus a theophany because he appeared before he was born. So they like to get stuff, fancy words and all that, but I just, I've shared this with you. He appeared to Joshua when Joshua was on the path and he was heading down to Jericho, into the valley of Jericho. And he encountered a man that was opposing him on the path. And that man was had his sword drawn and was there. He didn't come and to, to parry with him and he didn't come to sword fight with him. And Joshua asked him, he said, are you for us or are you for our adversary? Are you for us or are you for the bad guys? And he simply answered, nay. No, I'm not on any side. The captain of the hosts of heaven. Jesus knew so, no side. That term has been used to be a uh, verbal description of Jesus Christ. Joshua knew who he was talking about. And he threw himself down to worship Jesus. And he was told to take off his shoes because you're in holy ground. Understand this, that we find in the Old Testament when this happened, the angels came. 
The angels did not demand that they remove their shoes, and they did not declare that the ground that they were standing on was holy. Instead, they helped the person stand up, or they told them to stand up and don't worship me because I am a servant just like you are. Stand up. However, at the burning bush, Moses was commanded to take off his shoes because the ground that he stood on was holy ground. God manifested. The angel didn't tell him that because, see, Moses encountered two personages in the burning bush. He encountered an angel, the voice of an angel, and he encountered God, and God commanded that he remove his shoes because he's on holy ground. Joshua was commanded by the angel to remove his sandals because he was on holy ground. And then, of course, you have Nebuchadnezzar who saw that. Saw the Son of Man, the Son of God. And he saw Jesus. Jesus was seen in the Old Testament, not just in the New Testament. So before Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem, and some hundreds of years before he was seen in the Old Testament. And if we study the word, we'll find out more about Jesus. We'll come to know him. We have to understand that Jesus is throughout the Bible. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ is throughout the Bible. And many will believe that the first prediction of his coming was when the angel spoke to Joseph and Mary and they have no idea about the hundreds of times in the Old Testament that predictions were made. <clears throat> we have the predictions in Isaiah and actually in the book of Psalms, Daniel spoke of it. We're talking about, you have a time frame that is, is beginning on the, uh, at 700 years before he was born to 1,000 years before he was born, they were talking and predicting about Jesus. The gospel of Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. Remember, keep in mind, the word gospel means good news. It does not mean the books from Matthew to Revelation. It's got nothing to do with that. <clears throat> they call it the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospels because they're talking about Jesus. But we have to understand something, thoroughly understand, that the Bible is the gospel of God the Father, the good news that God is our gracious, loving Father, and that Jesus is his only begotten son. We have to understand that. And also remember that Satan is not omniscient, omnipresent, and all-powerful. So he believed that when Jesus was crucified, that the demons were beating the drums and banging the cymbals. And they said, yeah, 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 we definitely bruise his heel. He's not coming back. And then the might and majesty of the Lord God reached into that tomb and threw back the stone by the personage of an angel. And they were sitting on the edge of the stone when the ladies came running up. What are you looking for? 
He's not here. He's risen. He told you he was going to rise, and he did so. And he did so. Jesus was risen, and the stone was not rolled back so he could get away. The stone was rolled away so that they could come and look in and see that he was indeed gone. And also remember, too, that in Romans 16 and 20, Paul relates the promise of God as to the authority that Jesus gave us in Luke 10, 19. Remember, we have authority given us of God and given by Jesus. And if we go to Romans, pardon me here, I'm flipping over. I thought I had it marked. I must have, I must have pulled my marker out. I apologize. Ah, I apologize. I did. I pulled my marker out. Apologies, apologies, apologies. But in 16 and 20, we will find also that we have certain authority and that what Paul writes to the church in Rome, salute one another with a holy kiss, the churches of Christ salute you. Whoops, went one too far. <laughs> Flip the page over into Corinthians. But we should do that anyway, and some people get really weird about that. They get, um, they. I've actually had one tell me that, oh, that's just so weird. What, what are you doing? I said, I'm kissing you. Oh, that's just so weird. I, I can't get it. And I said, I'm not giving you a tongue in your ear. I said, I'm greeting you with a holy kiss as we are told to do in the Bible that we are to greet one another with a holy kiss. I'm going to do it whenever I give you a hug. So you got a problem with it. You're going to have to get over that. But uh, so why are you dismissing what we're told to do in the Bible? Why do people dismiss that? You have to read the scriptures. And I just shared with you right now. And... Uh, Romans, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. So whenever you see one another, you're, you're elated, you're glad. But anyway, this authority is given to us in 16, 20, Romans 16.20, and the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Surely the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And you remember that authority that I shared that Jesus has given to us, that we are given the authority to step on the heads of the serpents and the scorpions. What is that relating to? That's going all the way back to Genesis 3.15. We are given that authority by Jesus who has been given that authority of God who is the only begotten son of the Lord God Almighty. And then Paul relates to it again 
and Romans. And Paul writes and describes our adoption in Galatians 4, 4 4-5, that he speaks of Jesus Christ. And in 1-7, through he talks about our adoption through Christ as heirs to the kingdom of heaven through Christ Jesus. And we are given that opportunity to be adopted in Romans 8, our letter of adoption. I've shared that with you. I call that my adoption letter, and you go through that. And God, Paul is writing in his letter, and God has breathed that into him, that he gives certain specifics, and that we are actually called heirs and joint heirs of Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. In the book of Exodus 12, 12 through 13, we find the sacrificial lamb, and the death angel comes for those houses that are not marked, those that choose not to believe. And there were some that were in the nation of Israel. I'm certain I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I'm fairly certain based on their attitude and their destructive tendencies that they didn't mark the doorposts as they were instructed to do. So the death angel came and took their firstborn child, took the firstborn of everything, their flocks, their children, and the household. And if the husband was the firstborn, he was taken as well. So dad was now gone. But that's in the book of Exodus, the sacrificial lamb. And they suffered the death angel. Then we come back to the New Testament and find that John the baptizer said when Jesus was coming to be baptized in the river, What did John say when he looked up and he saw his cousin coming to be baptized? And he declared, Behold the Lamb of God, whose shoes I am not worthy to latch. That was his cousin, but he knew. Remember when he was yet in the womb that when Mary came and and hugged Elizabeth that John leapt. (laughs) He knew who Jesus was. He knew his authority. He knew the power. And then he was preparing that way. Behold the Lamb of God. And he came to be baptized. Then he was crucified. He was sacrificed. However, after he was sacrificed on the cross, he wrested the keys from Satan, taking the power of death from him. And in Psalm 23... The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When Satan still had those keys, people were fearful of dying. But you don't have to fear that. You don't have to be afraid of that. It is now merely a shadow of death. And as we pass through a shadow from one side to the other, just walk right through it. And Jesus references 
in a number of places. And Jesus references actually his own crucifixion and sacrifice. And God declares that thing too in John 3.16. But we find that in Psalm 23, it's merely a shadow. And John 10.11, we find that Jesus also references himself as a good shepherd. And he's teaching about that. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. References his own crucifixion. As we find in Psalm 23, they talk about that. The Lord is my shepherd. What is David talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's referencing Jesus. Who is, of course, we know that he was and is God from the beginning and the word from the beginning and it was manifest and made flesh. But Jesus is referencing his own crucifixion. If we read this, pay attention. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd giveth his life for his sheep. We find that, we find another Prediction reference in Isaiah forty eleven. We find reference to shepherding again. Let me flip to my marker. My apologies. As I flip the pages. But we find this reference again. Go to forty and eleven. Isaiah. He shall feed his flocks like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. He, 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 Isaiah speaks. In John 10, Jesus Christ is trying to give instruction and the pharisaical leaders that were there and about, they couldn't get it. They didn't understand. What are you talking about? And Jesus is teaching about the good shepherd. They didn't get it. They couldn't understand. And this references back to um, when he had been speaking as to having the knowledge and understanding and that those who have his knowledge and understanding of the will of God, that they will understand these things. But here you have those individuals that claim to know, but they don't know. They don't get it because they don't have spiritual hearing. But Jesus is teaching as to the shepherds and teaching about, uh, um, and the parable that Jesus was speaking, that he was talking about, and he was talking about the sheep, the, the, uh, the fold, were the keeping of the sheep and that those who were the hirelings. And here it is in John ten six. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. They couldn't get it. They didn't, they didn't get it. 
They didn't get that Jesus was talking about the hirelings who are not the good shepherd, who are not caring for the flock as they should be. And he is also, what he is doing was describing them. They didn't understand that. And I'm telling you, as the truth, the word of God, is that there are pastors in the head position of churches that are not good shepherds. They are teaching falsely. They're teaching false doctrine. They're teaching completely out of context from the Bible and the word of God. And they don't care or they care as little for the flock as they do for the fact that they're even in the word of God at all. They just throw together a study time. And what do they do? They preach about money, 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 money. Money makes my world go around and you must tithe, 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 give, give, give. And the church actually, unfortunately, there are many that that don't get it and that they're the pastor of the church. So they they must be in charge and we got to do what they say. No, you don't. No, you don't. If you didn't try the spirit and the spirit told you to do it. Oh, goodness gracious. It's like political persons now. People think that they're in charge because they got elected or they know more. No, they don't. Some of them failed in obtaining their degree, but they claim otherwise. You have pastors that absolutely fail miserably at being pastors, but they declare otherwise, and they claim the tithes and offerings for themselves. I've shared with you a church that I was in that way, and the Holy Spirit took me right out of there. Our witness testimony. We find that that references, references, references. The crucifixion, the sacrifice, John three sixteen, First Peter two twenty five, Acts twenty twenty eight, John fifteen, one through twenty seven. Jump over here and share that with you. When. Jesus is talking about the vine and branches. And we have to understand this. This needs to be, this, these are testimony scriptures. Should be. Um, in John 15, 1 through 27. And I'm actually... going to read verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Jesus is talking about the fact that he has got to be in our lives, in our hearts, and in our walk with us. And this is our, this is our, these are our testimony scriptures in the way it should be and must be. After John three sixteen. And we have First Peter two twenty five Acts twenty twenty eight. Let's flip over there and see what that's got to say. I'm gonna flip over there right quickly. Brother and sister, bear with me, please. Acts twenty twenty eight. And we're gonna go down here. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Talking about the sacrifice 
of Lord Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, and that we, if we are going to be overseers of a church and we are going to do the right thing and testify to the truth, then we have to be cautious in that. John 15, 1 through 27, it's our witness testimony, Matthew 9, 36, Hebrews 13, 20, Revelation, Revelation 7, 17, and 1 Peter 5 through 4, and then we go back, as in the rule of faith, we go back to the Old Testament, Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16, the book of Ezekiel, powerful prophet and things. We see these things that Daniel prophesied. Ezekiel was a very... um, Daniel and Ezekiel had some serious dreams. And when we see references to these in their word, I find things in here that talks about our nation. Ezekiel's talking about again. For this saith the Lord God, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. Now we got to remember that Jesus, when he was talking about the good shepherd, he was talking about being that good shepherd, that he will, that a good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes to find that one. And when he brings that one back, there's great rejoicing. And I've shared this with you before, and if I haven't, I am remiss. I'm going to share it with you now. That when Jesus goes out and he finds one that was lost, and that one comes back and repents, there is great rejoicing in heaven. Great rejoicing. Brothers and sisters, search these scriptures that I've shared with you. This is the word of God. And God is our Father, and He is the truth. Jesus was come to this world. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that we go through God only by Him. You're in my prayers when I'm going out and my coming in.